Fox Sports 1498.3 FM presents Start Your Engines. Here's your race team for today. Show producer, Ronnie Black. Track reporter and racing insider, Nelson Crozier. Former NASCAR team manager and author, Greg Moore. Now, here's your host for Start Your Engines. Racing historian and author, Perry Allen Wood. And a good, beautiful Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Start Your Engines on WSPG AM and FM in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning. Beautiful, but cold. It's a little nippy out there. And uh, my auditioning chauffeur, Greg Moore. Good morning, Greg. Yeah, like I say, it was it was cold this morning. Oh, did you drive this morning, Greg? I, I Well, I, I drove Bert's new car. And it's got one of those screens in it. It's got too many gauges and stuff. So, <laughs> so I had a little bit of trouble back. Perry's got a, got a nice driveway. It goes up through there. Had a I, nice driveway. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I had a little trouble backing up. But, yeah, I, I, I drove up here. Well, we've been doing this show a long time, and it's the first time that uh, Greg's driven me in. Cool, Bruce. So, your knee must be getting better, but you're not ready to drive yet. I'm not going to be able to drive for probably at least another month, which means another oh, okay. month of not having to go to Charlotte and catch uh, money launderers. So uh, I'll uh, I'll take it, as a matter of fact. Well, that's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Uh, it's good, but... Well, no. I, it, yeah, it's, it, there's not too many negatives. I mean, I just flat don't like driving to Charlotte. <laughs> well, I, I don't believe I, that's I would a lot enjoy more, that. that. That's a lot more dangerous than a... That's the most dangerous part of a, of the job by far is, is getting in the car and going to work and coming home. Well, are they still working on the road in Cherokee County? It's in Spartanburg now. That's oh, right. Is, oh, is yeah. It's right along where, uh, all along there where, uh, as you come up to Gossett Road, yeah, e- exit yeah. 80. Oh, it's a mess. It's a mess. In fact, I think they've closed the exit 80. I read in the paper, but I don't have to worry about it till probably sometime late this month at the earliest but it it's it was bad when i was doing it a couple of weeks ago and uh yeah it's it's going to be this way for years too you know and that's that's one thing that bud brought out to pay the attention because you know we used to we always travel to and from charlotte during the right. world 600 week and he, he he the glare is so bad but that's in a, that'd be in the winter time that'd be for the fall race. right and and he 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 told Perry he said that that worried him, and it's it's you know anytime you get on the highway and the sun's in your eyes on eighty five or something like that it's anyways Perry is a very good steering wheel holder probably <laughs> would have made a good race driver and a lot of things in racing but yeah that, that drive on these super highways with construction stuff so pretty dangerous well, well that, that's one thing I regret in my younger days when i could have attempted it that i never tried to drive a race car well i'm telling you what um i don't know and my reflexes aren't what they used to be now well i don't i think we're both over the hill as far as trying it now <laughs> i'm just trying to get work my way up to to driving period yes but uh no i uh, we've um my, my knee is to the point right now where I'm waiting to try to feel some improvement from having to 
the joint replaced, but the rest of the knee hurts so bad still that I can't tell. So, uh, but I'm getting there. I've gone from a walker to a crutch in one week. So, uh, that's pretty good. You know, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah. You're making good progress. And, uh, it's following about what Deb Williams told us last week or either when we were talking to her at some other time, you know, she just, and she done had both replaced. She said, you're going to hurt for a few weeks. Yeah. So, oh, well, that that's an invasive surgery that it, you have to have pain or something's wrong. Yeah, well, nothing's wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you that. But no, uh, I'm doing what Dr. Gerskovich says, but we got a good show today. Tell us about it. Well, Perry. we've got a former Winston Cup champion from night from 2000, Bobby Labonte. And Bobby's got a whole lot better resume than uh, a lot of you might think and uh, he didn't just win the championship in 2000 he he was an IROC champion the next year he won a southern 500 he was an xfinity champion he um, won 21 races which i would think would get him in the hall of fame here before too long and uh, of course we always have greg to thank thank for his uh, vast uh, wallet full of business cards with uh the names of everybody involved in the sport well so. luck, luckily they, they they still remember me and uh i have gotten a chance to see them you know some of the hall of fame stuff that i went along with diddy but uh yeah bob labonte's resume is is very impressive he was runner up like in 99 in the cup and they're not telling how many races he won in the, the xfinity which back then was the bush grand national uh, and literally owned Atlanta. He's won six times in the Cup Series, and uh, he's he's he he's got an awful good resume. And listen, those of you that have heard us or know us know that we always talk about how smart Nelson Crozier is. Bobby Labonte's got some gray matter going on too. That's right. You know, one of the things that Bobby did, and I I, I may ask him about this. I, I've I've been hesitant to. But, uh, you know, he just got out, as far as I'm concerned, of one of the best seats in racing. Oh, yeah. Uh, he didn't get fired or let go from Gibbs. He just he walked away. And I am I may have to ask him that today, why he did that. Because, uh, I mean, I'm not saying it ended his career because he raced for several years after that. But, you know, he was on top of the world when he was there and pretty much walked away. Well, I, didn't he get a teammate like a year four earlier or something? Did Gibb take on a, another car? Well, they had, uh, I think back then they had Tony Stewart. Yeah, that, that that right there is what I was. Well. we'll <laughs> but I didn't want to say it. Well, maybe we'll get him to say it. We'll find out what. But anyway, that'll be about 15 or 20 after. Uh, not too long from now. We'll have Bobby Labonte on here. And um, touch real fast on uh, what you think of the Atlanta race last week, the, the cup race. Well, it was. The uh, Harvick 500, as usual, uh, races wasn't all that exciting. It wasn't. And I know that the drivers, you know, were the ones asking for the asphalt to be left alone. Yeah. You know, so so the tires would wear and the cars would slide around. But I really haven't cared that much for Atlanta when they flip-flopped it and added a dog leg on it. Well, no, and that's been a long time now. And that's been a long, long time. But uh, maybe they need to pave it. You no, know, forget what the drivers want. You know, it needs something because it, it was a 
it was a pretty boring race and uh not that you need crashes for excitement but it, it made up for having so many at daytona because they didn't have any i think uh i don't think i've ever seen a blown engine quite as bad as the one that uh trevor bain had because i mean it was i mean i've never seen a mosquito fogger put out that much i mean that, that looked like some phony hollywood blown engine and um bubba wallace his, his spotter couldn't even help him and he ended up running right into the back and if you saw the in-car camera when he runs into the back of trevor bain it was like he throws his arms out and says you know what where where'd he come from i mean i can't see yeah that's what we used to laugh about it or not laugh about it at daytona sometimes they'd put out a lot of smoke you know when back in the day we broke parts but uh, that's what we always called a tv blow up i mean it just smoke fire flames and uh luckily nobody was hurt but that could have been yeah well and then uh i guess we could have maybe seen it coming i don't know but the day before harvick won the uh xfinity race over uh uh i think let's see logano was second in the uh in the sunday race i can't remember who was second at the xfinity race but it was it was another harvick show and our our car jeremy clements had a very uncharacteristic 27th place finish so uh and i didn't get to watch that race something must have happened for him, to, for him to finish with 27th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had an in- engine problem of some okay. sort. Uh, that, that was a fairly lackluster race, too. I mean, you know, the stands were empty and uh, for the most part. But, you know, the weather, it was amazing. I mean, amazing they got the race in because, uh, you know, we were talking the day before. how I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would either. And I think thousands of people didn't think they would either. So that absolutely clobbered whatever walk-up ticket sales they would have had and I, a lot of people that had tickets i evidently didn't show up so it, it was a uh, there was not many people there yeah the weather the weather definitely didn't help the crowd and uh but like i say they had it i think it was a decent crowd considering the weather because i never would have dreamed they got it in either looking at the regular radar you know on weather channel and what they were showing but uh Atlanta's kind of had a bad habit of having uh, rain outs. Uh, and, and I saw that Harvick had uh, a fine of $10,000 for a loose lug nut. That's. Do they, they go and check everybody's lug nuts or just the top finishers? That's a good question. You can ask Nelson when we get him on here. We'll do that. Um, I think they check them if the, if the, inspector standing right there sees that something's not not right i want to make a correction here um keselowski was second in the sunday race no oh, okay. and logano was second in the uh in it, the saturday race yeah, yeah so it, and you know the wood brothers car looked like it was running pretty good but they must have had some kind of problem because bernard was up there pretty close uh on a couple of segments and it seemed like Toward the end, uh, they must have had a problem. I, I haven't talked to Eddie or Lynn or him. Well, he wound up 17th. But um, tell you what, we're going to take our first break right here and uh, come back with the 2000 Winston Cup champion, Terry. Uh, <laughs> I knew I'd do it. Bobby Labani <laughs> on Fox Sports Spartanburg's Start Your Engines. Want to talk racing with the guys? Call the Sign Force hotline now at 864 468 1400. 
Start Your Engine returns in a moment on Fox Sports 1400 and 98.3 FM. Steve and Jerry here from the world-famous Beacon Drive-In in Spartanburg. Jerry, the Beacon opened back in 1946. How many years have we been serving great food at great prices? Hey, plant day! 70 years? How many folks are we still serving every week? Hey, plant day! Well, like you always say, I like my job, but I love my customers. But can you say something other than a plant day? Call it! Join Steve and Jerry at the world-famous Beacon Drive-In, John White Boulevard in Spartanburg, where the food is still always good since 1946. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. The New Wave was new way back in 1938, and it's still going strong today. With quick service for lunch, sandwiches, sides, and your favorite beverage. And no trip to the New Wave is complete without trying their original Redneck Cheeseburger or Redneck Nachos. Made with the New Wave's homemade famous pimento cheese. The New Wave has lunch specials Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. Try the New Wave specialty sandwiches, including their grown-up grilled cheese. The New Wave's still going strong after nearly 80 years. 373 East Kennedy Street. Look for the PBR sign and the big red door. Fox Sports 1400 is now bigger and better than ever. Why? You were on an FM station. Because we're now on the FM dial at 98.3. I want to be bigger. Better sound quality, better nighttime signal. Fox Sports 1400. Now bigger and better at 98.3 FM. It's the call nobody wants to make. Your home or business has water or fire damage or mold. Let Service Master of the Upstate make that call a little easier. Service Master of the Upstate restores homes and businesses alike. If you've been hit with mold or fire or water damage, call today at 582-3451. Service Master of the Upstate also cleans carpets, rugs, and hard surface flooring. Make that call a little easier. Call Dyer and Amanda Jennings at Service Master of the Upstate. 582-3451. 582-3451. Mauricio and his staff at La Paz Mexican Restaurant in Bowling Springs say come on in for lunch or dinner. La Paz offers authentic Mexican fare seven days a week. Want a quick and inexpensive weekday lunch? La Paz lunch specials start at just $4.50. Mauricio invites you to try La Paz local favorites, including their Pollo Loco, Texas Fajitas, and the Speedy Gonzalez, all while enjoying the best margarita specials in town for just $3.50. Tell Mauricio Fox Sports 1400 sent you to La Paz Mexican Restaurant, Highway 9 in Bowling Springs. Sure, you can buy steaks, chops, and other cuts of meat a lot of places, often cut hours or even days early. But if you want your next great steak, wild game, pork, or other cut of meat perfectly marbled and aged between 40 and 70 days, then Tate Meatworks is the place for you. Tate's offers Angus, Prime, and other heritage breed cuts so meticulously aged, you can't screw it up unless you burn it. For your next melt-in-your-mouth steak, visit Tate Meatworks, 435 East Main Street near downtown Spartanburg. The Dan Patrick Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on Spartanburg's Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. Good morning.
everyone, and welcome back to Start Your Engines. And we are very proud to have our first guest today. And they don't come any bigger than uh, the 2000 Winston Cup champion, Bobby Labani. Good morning, Bobby. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Anyway, how's the weather up that way? Was it cold up there in Charlotte this morning? <laughs> yeah, it's a little chilly. It was. Uh, of course, it's only the first of March, really, so it's not supposed to be warm yet, but have a few nice days. Today is a little bit chillier than it has been, but at least it's not. At least the sun's out. Yeah. Well, Bobby, like I say, we, uh, I've, I've seen you race over the years, and like I say, you, you, your record at this uh, is Hall of Fame stuff, so I'm, I'm sure you're going to be going in there pretty quick, but uh, how's... Uh, I know you're doing some TV stuff, uh, but kind of give us this. We don't have a lot of time. Just give us a brief thing. It seemed like it was strange how you got started in racing. Of course, you know, your brother was running real good, and uh, it's almost like you said you got into it by accident. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, my, my dad was always a mechanic, and he raced a little bit, but he, uh, you know, more of a mechanic on, on my brother's um uh, cars when he was growing up and so uh, we moved to uh north carolina when i was like 14 and you know just started racing go-karts and had a late model ride every now and then did a little something here or there and then uh ended up uh, you know getting uh those opportunities like that and if it wasn't for terry doing that i mean none of that stuff would have happened because you know he was always instrumental and in, you know because he was even though he was racing on the <clears throat> on the cup side back in the day there wasn't there wasn't like 38 races and all the sponsor commitments but yet at the same time there wasn't you know there wasn't the money either but he was always instrumental in directing me the right way whether it's racing a caraway or not racing somewhere else or you know make sure you uh, you know win win races before you move up to a different class so you know a lot of stuff that he helped me out with with that and you know there was a a race car and a hauler he let us use and abuse and put it all back <laughs> together. <laughs> well, Bobby was all over again. So, was the family moved to North Carolina to enhance the racing, or did the family just happen to move to a hotbed? Uh, well, actually, uh, it was kind of a, a little bit of both because they raced in Texas and at Corpus Christi they got borrowed because they fought all the time, and it wasn't their fault, <laughs> but just everybody. When, you, when a guy wins a lot of races, people think that they're cheating or they think that they're, you know, nobody likes the winner. Um, so, anyway, so the crew guys, I mean, people would be uh, smarting off. And, anyway, you thump a few heads and they say, well, you can't race here no more. So then you had to travel, you know, four hours away to race and that cost more money and then this and that. So it finally the opportunity came for Jerry to race in, at, at Meyer Speedway in Houston. And, you know, of course, I'm like 12 years old, but, um, so when, when, when my dad retired um, from the Army, he, uh, uh, you know, elected to go to North Carolina because Terry got a ride to, to race with Billy Hagen. So it was like, you know what, we don't have much here to race. There's not much going to be much racing here for me. So it's like pack her up and move. And, I mean, obviously North Carolina was, and still is the, the place to be if you're going to be – not the place to be, but the place to be if you're going to race stock cars. So that was the, the path that we all had – you know, grew up in and, and taken. So we, we just packed it up and left and, you know, moved to North Carolina more to follow Terry's career. And, uh, but, you know, obviously 
at my age, I was able to do a lot of things that, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do in Corpus. Well, I'd say you did a lot of things. You, uh, you won 21 times on the, on the cup level and, you know, 26 polls, uh, you know, you were the 2000 champion and what a lot of people didn't realize, and actually I had forgotten about it until I did a little research last night was that you were the 2001 IROC champion. Yeah. Yeah. I had a string. I had a, I had a good run going there. <laughs> you did. <laughs> I couldn't follow up in 2002 with anything else, but yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, you know, that, that series was, you know, back in the day, it was, it was huge, and when I was able to race for a few years and win the championship, I mean, it was just, uh, I mean, that was, uh, you know, quite the, the cool thing because the fact that, you know, you had so many different drivers in different series, not so much in 2001, but uh, years before that, but still the, the history of that series was, you know, just, it was really cool. I mean, that's probably one of the, you know, a really cool thing to have, you know, the IROC series, and I, I hate that they don't have it still, but, you know, they had actually international drivers doing it i think that'd be really cool in a series like that today but you know uh, it'd be fun if it was happening but it's obviously not well uh, from the outside looking in it looked like iraq was really fun to drive was it as fun as y'all made it look well it was i mean because you know there was just enough cars to be uh you know like 12 cars and there was only four races so it wasn't like, I mean, I don't know that you'd want to do it week in and week out. You wouldn't want to have 35 cars that were all equal because then you have, you know, you don't, it's not really racing. It's just, you know, maybe going and going to a go-kart event and paying $5 and, you know, just, you know, just ride for 30 minutes. And you're done. Now, <laughs> with, they, with, the, with the personality of all the drivers and, you know, the, the spectacle of just four races and the fun part was, you know, all, all the cars were equal. All drivers are not equal, though. So not all drivers equal the same setup all the time, so they have to adapt. And but the fun part was, you know, there was times that I wouldn't even practice, or they, they would make me practice like, you know, three laps. So I'd practice three laps, and I'd go, okay. I mean, I know what the thing feels like, and but when you get in it, you just got to adapt to it, whether it's the draft of Daytona or Talladega or, you know, the handling at a Michigan or a, or a Fontana or Indianapolis, say, for instance. So, I mean, it was, uh, you, know, you know, that kind of – and when you could come from the back and pass cars and pass guys, like you know, you just feel like you always had a good feel for the race car. And you know, if you didn't, well, you didn't run good. But if you did, you ran good. Uh, you know, I, I don't remember. But what kind of cars did y'all did you run that year in two thousand? Because I know they had Porsches and and Firebirds and Camaros and uh, all different and Challengers and all different sorts of cars over the years. What what was it in two yeah. thousand? It was the Firebird. I, I don't think. I had ever driven anything other than the Firebird. When I when I raced the years that I did it, it was always the, the Pontiac Firebird. It wasn't the uh, – I was uh, after the Camaro and obviously after the Porsche. <laughs> that would have been fun, though. Yeah. Well, I know the, all the cars were, were put together to be equal, but did you find you would you would have your favorite that you would want to draw? That was my next question. <laughs> well, not really. I mean, you know, you, uh, you know I, 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 I never knew if they – um, you know, I don't know that the, I know all, you know, not all cars are equal the way they're built. Setup-wise, they can all be the same. They might drive a little bit differently, but I never really had a favorite other than, you know, if it's like, uh, you know, you, if I had a favorite color, which was, uh, when I grew up, my like, quarter midges were black and red. So the, you know, car I would like, black and red, just because the color of it. <laughs> it, 
you know, it just it wouldn't matter. But it was like, okay, that's the color I want. That's cool. But yeah. it wasn't. Well, it didn't really change the setup or anything. So I didn't really have a pick. I just wanted to, you know, probably pick one that wasn't a uh, an oddball number or you know maybe an oddball color like pink might not be what I wanted. But at the same time, they all ran good. I guess the red number eighteen would have been perfect for you. Yeah, if I could have all the things lined up right, that would be great. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, one thing about anything Bobby Labonte ever said in, it went fast. <laughs> I'll tell you, uh, look, looking at everything, and, and he uh, won Atlanta six times. That's one of my favorite places. Now, I wasn't too impressed with what went on last week, but uh, uh, Bobby just was always up front. Uh and I can't remember. You won a couple of championships in the Xfinity, didn't you? Uh, I won one championship in the Xfinity and finished second by three points. Of course, that was a non-playoff championship version. And uh, the, the second year, I won the one year, and then I finished second the second year by three points. And, of course, you can always look back and go, well, I know where I lost three points at. So, but, yeah, we almost won back-to-back. I, I, got, I got to go back to IROC for just one second. Did you meet anybody running the IROC series that maybe you wouldn't have uh, had an opportunity to uh, interact with if you hadn't have been in the IROC series? Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I you know I think uh, you know one one person comes to mind is Greg Moore. Um, I got to really kind of get to know him. I went to a, uh, I kind of talked to him, you know, sitting around between practices and stuff like that a few times. And uh, it wasn't long after that he got killed in, in, in Fontana in an IndyCar wreck. Yeah. And that was, like, devastating because, you you know, you, you find people that you don't race with week in and week out, and you want to know what they're doing in their life and how their racing is, how they get started. Uh, uh, Elio Castroneves comes to mind, Alan Jr. Uh, you know, I mean uh, – Steve Kinzer, I didn't really talk to him much, but he was just kind of cool to hang out with because he's such a he's such a big guy, you know. Like, you know, you know, how do you drive those cars like that? And, but yeah, I'd say Greg Moore was probably one of the uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to. And I mean, there were several others. Scott Pruitt, which I you know met him years and years before that. But um, yeah, different different uh, different guys doing different things. And um, yeah, I mean, so a few guys like that. But I thought Greg Moore was probably one of my favorites to talk to. Wasn't he getting ready to come to NASCAR? I mean, with Miller or something, and and uh, or did I dream that up? But he and Rusty Wallace were real close or something, and he was on the verge of maybe coming to NASCAR. Ah, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think um, he was interested in it, but I don't. I you know, when you race the IROC, it marks your interest more. But I, I don't know if he was or not. I'm not sure. Okay, I, I know that he drove for Forsyth and when he um, when he got killed. Yeah. What. In the few minutes we got left here, which is probably less than that, tell us about what you're doing with Fox. I know you're on every week, and uh, we love watching you on the um, analyze what's going on. Yeah, excited about that. Uh, great opportunity to be, um, to be able to, to go to the Fox studios, and you know, a it's only about an hour from my house, so it really works out good. But second of all, is that I've had a lot of uh, doing a lot of shows so far this year, and uh, probably will do uh, more till about halfway when they change over. But uh, Fox has given me that opportunity to, to go in the studio and talk about uh, talk about racing. And you know, when you you know, as you 
alluded to earlier. It's like where we came from, Texas. I was 12 years old, 15 years old, racing, racing, racing. So, so it's in your blood, and you should know what you talk about because you know you've lived it and lived it your whole life. And uh, so, doing some race hub shows during the week, and then the race hub weekend editions and race day editions as well on the weekends. And so, it's uh, it really is a, a cool opportunity for me to, to talk about that. And when you get interviewed at a racetrack when you're a race car driver, you know, for me, I, I wasn't thinking about ever doing this, but uh, it's been a lot of fun and it's uh, exciting. And so look forward to it every day. All right. One last question uh, for me. You left Texas as a 12 year old and you've been in North Carolina pretty much ever since. So when you think of yourself, do you consider yourself a Texan or a Tar Heel? <laughs> well, Matter of fact, last night we were at an event and we heard the song uh, Carolina Girl, which is really fun. I love going to Myrtle Beach. Been there a lot when I was a kid, but I also grew up, I remember when I was like 14 or 15 years old going to the Yellow Rose of Texas, which is nothing but a honky-tonk serving beer. And (laughs) It's my kind of joint. When you think about it, yeah, exactly. When you think about it, I'm like, I think I'm pretty much Texan at heart. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I thought that's what you would say. Oh, and yeah, I got, I got yeah. to say one thing, and, and Bob, I didn't mean to step on you, Bob, but I'm bad at that because, you know, I'm not too yeah. good of a, of a of a talker or announcer or anything. But I know early on, they always used to, and, and Bobby, they always used to say, look, just like Mel Gibson. <laughs> it, and I'm sure you remember that. I mean, but, uh, yeah, everything uh, Bobby got in this run, I, I wish he'd have gotten our car. Well, I thought we had him hired one time, but. But we didn't. <laughs> well, and, if you uh, want to know more about that, read the Greg Moore book that I wrote. So, yeah. uh, um, yeah, yeah. Bobby, we really appreciate you coming on the show. And I know we've had you on here uh, about every year. And I try to try to make sure we touch on some different aspects of your career. And I think the IROC was a good touch this time. And just keep yeah. up doing the great things you're doing with Fox. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on Start Your Engines. Well, thank you for having me. And keep uh, researching something else. We'll do it again. <laughs> okay. We'll talk to you later. Okay, all right. See you guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's Bobby Labonte. Uh, He's a good guy. He is a good guy. Greg, uh, you picked a good one this week. Well, he... he I didn't mean to cut you off, but we no, had to go. No, I know <laughs> it. I know it. And I, I can get I can get rambling. Okay. Well, so, we're going to ramble on to a commercial break right now, and we'll be back on the other side with Nelson Crozier in a final segment on Fox Sports Spartanburg. Start your engines. <laughs> Forever to be. And you can put spurs on this one. The Garnet and Black play here. He dives and makes the catch. Catch the Gamecocks in action all season long. Blasted deep to right. Right here on your home for South Carolina baseball. Spartanburg's home of the Gamecocks is Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. Here comes lunchtime. Do you know that unlike some barbecue places, Bubba's Barbecue and Bash has ribs for lunch every day. Bubba's also has great burgers, pulled pork, calabash chicken, all of your favorite sides, and some of the best sauce around. Top it off with Bubba's famous banana pudding or a slice of pecan pie for dessert, and you'll make Bubba's your barbecue home. Bubba's Barbecue and Bash, 827 West Blackstock Road, just a half mile from Westgate Mall. Have lunch at Bubba's today. 
Throughout your life, you've worked hard to accumulate assets, to build wealth, and to provide for your family. You've built a comfortable life full of shared memories and experiences. Providing and protecting your loved ones is never more critical than when you aren't there to do so. While having a will is important, it's not the only way. That is why developing an estate plan can be the best thing you will ever do for them. Working with our estate planning experts, Trent Lancaster, in the Spartanburg office of Jenny Montgomery. Montgomery Scott can help you to design a customized estate plan that can protect and preserve your assets for the next generation. The sooner you begin, the sooner you can be at ease knowing that your loved ones will be provided for as you intended. Contact Trent today to discuss your estate planning needs at 864-585-8282. That's 585-8282 or visit TrentLancaster.com. Jenny Montgomery Scott, LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, and SIPC. This is KB for Animal Allies. In a cold world, it breaks my heart to see stray dogs and cats on the loose, knowing that any moment they could, well, you know the rest. Animals need all the help they can get. They need an ally, and Animal Allies is just the place to offer that help. Animal Allies is the best low-cost spay and neuter clinic in the upstate. Don't overpay to help fix Spartanburg's stray animal problem. Animal Allies makes doing the right thing affordable. Asheville Highway in Spartanburg or visit online at animalalliesclinic.org. Start your engines. We'll be back after this quick pit stop on Fox Sports 1498.3 FM. Speedy Lube in Inman says to save time is to lengthen life for you and your car. Let Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman, lengthen the life and performance of your vehicle. Speedy Lube offers professional ASC certified mechanical service for your car. Be it an oil change, AC work, tires, brakes, front end, or any type of major or minor repair. Trust Speedy Lube in Inman. Open weekdays from 8 till 6. For fast, fair, and friendly service, visit Speedy Lube, Asheville Highway in Inman. If you're in the market for a job in manufacturing or distribution, or you run a business and are in need of employees in fields ranging from small-scale construction to large mechanical contracting to manufacturing, packaging, and warehousing, then let CRS help. CRS has been a reliable bridge that runs in both directions for employers and job seekers. Get your next great search started today. Call CRS at 336-2405, stop by 337 Spartan Green Boulevard in Duncan, or online at crshighright.com. Spartanburg has been known as the hub city for decades due to our proximity to rail lines and interstate highways. Upstate Logistics has been part of the hub city transportation scene for over a decade. Upstate Logistics provides businesses with warehousing and transportation services, including inbound and outbound rail shipments. And more importantly, we support Spartanburg. Be it high school and college sports or important community projects, Upstate Logistics wants to help move Spartanburg forward. Upstate Logistics, keeping your business and Spartanburg moving forward. To find out more, visit UpstateLogistics.com. This is Dan Patrick, and you're listening to Spartanburg's Fox Sports 1400. Now on FM at 98.3. Nelson Crozier is trackside and ready to go. What's going on at this week's big race? Let's go live to Nelson now. Welcome back to Start Your Engines. Uh, how you like your new opening there, Nelson? Uh, pretty good. Sounds like you're in an IndyCar race. <laughs> <laughs> it sure did. Uh, or, you know, 180-degree head uh, 
with some of the cars around back in the 80s. Well, I listened to that thing about three or four times uh, this week, uh, and it sounds like one of the last one or two that go by might only be running on six cylinders or something. There's a couple of flat ones go by. Well, you know, exhaust can make a lot of difference in how they sound. Exactly. Well, how you doing, Nelson? And uh, let me start this off by saying happy birthday. Well, thank you. Out, uh, out here in Vegas, it's kind of windy, but, you know, weather's clear, you know, uh, quote, no chance of rain. So you know, <laughs> that's all good. Well, it's been windy everywhere, to tell you the truth. It was real windy here in Spartanburg yesterday and uh, all over the country. Well, that's what I understand. A lot of the East Coast, the uh, airports shut down because there was too much wind. Well, yeah. now, speaking speaking of that, you're in the desert. So, uh, I mean, how does that affect the track? I mean, there's got to be a lot of sand. Uh, that might make it kind of slippery, no? Well, to some degree, but, you know, when they were having uh, 40 to 60 mile an hour wind, your backstretch speeds, you know, if you had a tailwind, picked up considerably. So it was kind of hard getting turn three. Uh but, you know, it was like putting on the brakes when you go down the front stretch. Yo, changing gears real quickly right here. Let me ask you about something from Atlanta. I, I saw that Harvick got gigged for a loose lug nut. Somebody in the Xfinity got gigged for the same thing. Who all's lug nuts do they check? Is it just uh, the top they- finishers or? No, they pretty much, uh, when you come down pit road, uh, at the end of the race, you stop and they check the lug nuts, uh, you know, pretty much in all the cars. Wow. I, that, that's got to be kind of, t- I'm sure they've got a system, but that's got to be time consuming. Well, it is to a little degree, but it, by the same token, everybody is concentrating on the winner at that point. By the way, with a new improved point system, you won last week, so you're leading one to nothing to nothing to nothing. Okay, well, that's good for the time being. Uh, but, you know, the uh, loose slug nuts, uh, you know, this new high-dollar payoli uh, impact wrench, which they issue, which caused a lot of problems, uh, which they say they're working on, you know, it's a work in progress. But, you know, they're supposed to send the data back to the pit box and NASCAR. But, you know, uh, I don't know if it's indicated the lugs were loose or the teams just were not secure uh in feeling that they were tight, you know, during the race. That's how Harvick, you know, got behind early on and, you know, came up from the field and made it up. Yeah. Well, you know, the pit stops have gotten so quick and they, they got to stay on top of that. Cause the worst thing happened, uh, is it, really for a wheel to come off. It's always been that way. Uh, we've seen it at Indy and in NASCAR some Nelson, I remember you showing us, uh, me and Perry, up a, a device that, uh, you come up with, with a lug nut that I believe would uh, eliminate a lot of that. You, uh, well, it would because you can look at it right right off and see whether it's snug. Uh, the current version does not uh, assure that it's torqued. Uh, we have, uh, you know, uh, things in the works where we could manufacture it uh, where it would show 75 pounds of torque before the insert would uh, disintegrate. Uh so, you know, that technology is there, and you know, we could certainly use it. It would be a whole lot better than $30,000 impact wrenches which don't work. Oh, no doubt about it. I guess it, I guess the days of Mr. Hurd with the Ingersoll ran, uh, that, 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 those days are kind of, kind of over. But I tell you, I really think they need to implement uh, your device that you come up with 
Well, they they need to they need to take your advice on a lot of things, but uh, yeah, that, that you can't have wheels come and loose. What? Well, they they take my advice on a lot of things, but they wait six months to a year until it's their idea. Yeah, that's what Not I was going to exactly say. Right. They they wait until they can uh, say they did it. I guess there was no big shocker last night with Kurt Busch winning the truck race, and uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Kyle Busch, and it had to be popular since he's from Las Vegas. Oh, no, uh, no question, was he like Kyle or not? You've got to respect his ability. He can get in most any kind of race car, and right off the bat, he goes out and runs well. Now, wasn't that uh, his 50th truck win? I believe that's correct. Well, and, uh, that that was with the uh, spec engine also. That was not a Toyota engine. So, uh you know, and one other thing I, I was going to touch on, and I usually seem to bring this up every week. Uh, I guess I, you got sort of, of a easy out on Atlanta last week with the horrible weather, and they still managed to get that in there, which I got to commend NASCAR for sticking to their guns and not changing things around too much. And uh, they, they might have moved the start up a little bit. I can't remember, but they... Uh, right, they moved the start up about two hours. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's rephrase that. They moved the uh, starting time up a little over two hours, but it was raining, so the start time was about where it was supposed to be. Yeah, okay. Well, they uh, they didn't have much of a crowd, in which, you know, like I said earlier, it killed the walk-up. I don't know how much they would have had anyway, but uh, the other thing I usually touch on every week is the car count, and uh, you, you're down to 37 at Las Vegas. Still uh, no real concern here, or, or what's the scoop? No, most people don't feel it's a concern, uh, but my feeling is it certainly takes a lot of the excitement away because qualifying used to have better crowds than we have for some of the races now because, hey, is my guy going to make it? Is he going to start up front? Uh, now, oh, he's in the field. I don't have to worry. Well, and that's always been part of the excitement of it, you know, and especially uh – you know the qualifying races at Daytona a couple of you know a few weeks ago. It, everybody was going to make it, so you know it, it did determine the order. But it's not like all the heartbreak Greg had to go through with those years that Bud Moore couldn't quite get in there. You know, with uh, David Green and Larry Pearson and all you know all the cars that that you know didn't quite make it, but but should have fast enough to make it, but they they couldn't get in, and then. And then you've got bump day at Indianapolis, which is, uh, I don't know what's going to happen this year, but, you know, there hasn't been a bump day that I can remember for a few years when you've got only got 33 cars there. Yeah, bump day used to always be the most. Oh, well, what, uh, remember, most, Indianapolis I, used to be the month of May, and, you know, now it's down just a little over the weekend in uh, in real excitement. Yeah, they... Uh, I was, I was thinking about that, uh, but you know, even at Daytona, qualifying for the 500, you know, trying to get the car to the speed that it qualifying used to really be a big deal, and it this, I guess, is for lack of words, saying lost its luster or whatever. But uh, I think you about got to have more cars than you got starting spots. I mean, a lot of it's perception. Uh, if you can't have something, you want it more. And you know, if they get more cars, where you know you have to have qualifying to make uh, to make the race, uh, people get uh, you know involved in the excitement on it. 
they come to see, see, I hope that guy doesn't make it, or I hope my guy you know, gets in. Uh, if you can't get a ticket to a football game, you want it that much more. But, you know, when you can walk up and buy a ticket, oh, well, if the weather's nice, you know, for the race, the ball game or whatever, maybe I'll go with not, I'll do this. So, uh, yeah. Well, well they've kind 60s, of... I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, in the 60s, when I was in college, I was working for a lumber and millwork company, uh, and I had to go up to Baltimore to the docks uh, early in the morning to get, uh, you know, some custom lumber and uh, whatever. Uh, and there were acres and acres and acres of Volkswagen Beetles just sitting there where they'd come in off the ship. But you go to a Volkswagen dealer and you had to wait eight months to get a car, you know, you, you have to have more demand than you have supply. That way you can keep uh, the interest up, you can keep the price up. Well, one of the things I used to think was so cool, and, and I, I know everybody in this room, and especially you w- would remember it, uh, was when they would go to the West Coast, like to Riverside, uh, as what comes to my mind first, is you'd get a lot of the West Coast teams um, when they had a Winston West or whatever that would, that would um, enter a car. And I guess... I say they've legislated themselves out of it because I don't I don't even know the status of Winston West anymore. And um, if you know you, you don't have that possibility of of people, you know, like uh like when you know Gurney would run and uh, and Parnelli Jones, you know, they might only run a couple of races a year, but one of them would be Riverside, and you'd get the the regular West Coasters like Herschel McGriff and. John Soares and uh, Dick Goulstrand, all these all these people you a lot of you've never heard of that uh, all of a sudden they would be in the field and you didn't have any problem filling up a field and I, it was just really cool back in those days to see the West Coast people uh, join in when uh, the tour was out there. Well, yeah. and then uh, we leave Riverside, uh, go to Phoenix, which was a Winston West race, but you know a number of the regular cup drivers would enter in that and you know. Uh, Draw a much bigger crowd. Yeah, Richard used to do that about, I think, about every trip. He, I would, believe he did. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure that uh, the owners of the racetrack at that time, uh, you know, probably had to be paying him some appearance money because, uh, you know, Richard Petty's name is still really super duper big. But uh, back then, uh, I could see where he could really pack the stands at a Winston West race uh, at Phoenix and uh, probably helped the motor out a bunch. But. Yeah, the big problem uh, you know, with Phoenix back then was you didn't have that big overhead bridge and the Hero uh, River or whatever the uh, little tributary is there would flood and you couldn't get in or out of the racetrack. So you were just hoping it would go down by race time. <laughs> You know, I'm looking here at the uh, at the qualifying results for the for the race tomorrow, which is the Pennzoil 400, and you've got Ryan Blaney on the pole at 191 and a half, and uh, Joey Gaze 37th at 173. I mean, that is a 18 mile an hour disparity between the fastest and the slowest, and that uh, I mean I, that even that that looks as bad as the 37 cars on hand to me that the, the the slowest car i mean it's obvious that if you had a car and showed up you could just about make the race 
just about, uh, I believe NASCAR still has a 10% rule, you know, during the race, speed-wise. And Joey Gase would just barely get in, you know, under that rule uh, for qualifying. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, uh, who was the period of, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of his name, Herman Beam. Herman Beam. And mm-hmm. I remember on one of the first broadcasts on was the show in Darlington, and they said, and here's Herman Beam. He was like a chemist, real intelligent guy, but he used to love to get out there and race. And uh, But Herman kind of had a fall on his own. Of what what they used to call him, Perry? The, the tur- turtle. The turtle. The turtle, yeah. But, uh, Everybody always used to g- try to guess who finished ahead of the other, Fireball Roberts or Herman Beam. And Herman did it an awful lot because Fireball would blow it up trying to trying to win. Yeah, that's the way it was. And uh, w- the one, one funny thing I heard about that is uh, – they say that Herman one time was getting ready to start the Daytona 500 and was starting it up and hadn't put his helmet on yet. So, but that, that was... That well, was he didn't back. figure he was going to be going fast enough to need it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. well, Nelson, have you heard any scuttlebutt around the track this week that we would find interesting? No. Uh, so far, you know, everything's been pretty calm. You know, uh we had, uh, you know, 30, uh, 23 cars, you know, having bankruptcy, uh, you know, Chapter 11 bankruptcy declared uh, a week or two ago. Uh, that was a story for a little bit, but it's calmed down right now. Uh, so, and, you know. And they're still letting really them race. Quiet. Oh, yeah, they're still letting them race because, uh, you know, under chapter, le- chapter 11, it's reorganization. You know, you have to meet with your creditors and, uh, you know, make an agreement but everybody wants to keep racing because it's income so right. long as they don't tear up cars like you did in daytona so what when's the um when's the qualifying today is that for the xfinity cars sometime today that is correct right now qualify this morning and they race this afternoon have they already qualified oh well you're uh you're two hours ahead of us here right yeah no, okay. they'll be having qualifying uh here in a little bit well, Nelson, I'm telling you, uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, make our picks right now? And since you won last week, what the heck? Go ahead and pick first. Oh, a rough one this week. Uh, I'm going out to limit who's Kurt Bush. Kurt Bush. Kurt Bush, number 41. And uh, Gregory, what do you think? Well, I always like going with the Wood Brothers, and, and I think Menards look look good you know he was show, fastest in the first qualifying session well i'll just go out I'll, 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 I'll pick the woods car ronnie okay i think he's he's gonna do it two weeks in a row i'm going with harvick i tell you he's looking like he's gonna do it whether he does it or not he looks awfully strong i'll uh, well, you know something uh you know the, the streak will break this week at the tone of the two car won uh, the clash, the three-car won the race, and Atlanta, the four-car won. Well, we have no five-car this week, so we can't continue that track, uh, your analogy. Yeah, well, the numerology works sometimes <laughs> when you want it to. Uh, I'll take uh, I'll take Keselowski. He's, uh, he was second last week, and I think he's going to probably uh, uh, rise to the top here one of these weeks. He's got to. That, that team is too good. Any... any uh, Surprises or disappointments as far as you're concerned so far this year? Uh, the Chevrolet is running poorly. 
That's you right. Know, or, or, or let's let me rephrase that. Chevrolets uh, overall just haven't been up to par. Uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson starting 14th. Uh, you know, didn't make final round qualifying. Uh, kind of unusual, and I know they're putting a big push on to you know, make the cars run better. But sometimes you push too hard and you go backwards. Well, I've got a question for you. What I've never seen a car in a long time blow an engine as extremely as uh, Trevor Bain did last week with all that smoke. I mean, that, that was incredible. It looked like some phony Hollywood uh, blown engine. What what would cause one to do like that? I mean, they don't have the uh, the oil pan up there with the engine anymore. I mean, what what would cause one to well, just fog it out like that? Typically, burning a piston and. Uh, you know, the oil comes up, but with a dry sump system, if it's done right, you really shouldn't have any of that. So I don't know if they broke an oil line, uh, or you know, when something else broke, it went ahead and uh, you know, messed up the oil pump where it wasn't uh, scavenging the oil out. Uh, but, you know, in the race report, uh, they had the, uh, you know, it was extended cleanup to get fuel from the uh, six car off the track. I don't know if that was accurate or not. But, you know, normally she was going to ignite. It's not going to just smoke like that. Okay. Well, I got one quick question for you. We talked earlier about some of the the fines, but last week Kyle Busch in the truck series lost a rear left wheel when he was leaving the, the team's pit box, and they suspended his crew chief, Mark Rich, Marcus Richmond. I can understand that, and the rear tire changer, Coleman Dollarhide, but they also suspended the jackman, Ernie Pierce for three races why would why would they suspend the jack man on a a tire situation like that well because he theoretically he left the car down uh before the rugs were on but now you've got to remember that uh those crewmen were from the uh harvick's cup car and they only suspended them for the truck race they did not carry it over into the cup race okay that was going to be my next question when, uh, that's uh i tell you you can't stump nelson i was trying to figure that out myself why would they yeah but the jack man i guess he uh he should have known better <laughs> well i do know one thing and we had with danny fowler we had one of the best jack men absolutely of all the time and he would look at harold or doug whoever changed the front tire what most time it, it, it was uh donnie wingo and harold doing the rear but danny would look both so a good jack man is kind of looking to make sure to get you know at least a few of them on so i guess he would be right. he would be partly responsible right well i think what happened there and uh i'm just you know trying to think back they originally called for two tire stop i guess and then they must have changed it uh midstream so uh when you know the car dropped kyle took off yeah. Oh, but was it the crew chief or was it Kyle? You know. Uh, well, I, th- I always heard when it dropped, you you got to go. And uh, matter of fact, we got to go, Nelson. So appreciate you coming on this week. Look forward to talking to you again next week. And uh, um, watch those one-handed, one-armed bandits out there. Well, uh, I'll be watching next week for uh, for all the rattlesnakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you very much that's nelson crozier coming to you live and direct from las vegas nevada and uh i tell you say it every week nobody better than nelson
He's best. He he teaches me something every week. Yeah. Well, we're uh, got to get out of here now, and I want you to uh, listen to uh, start your engines again next week. We'll be back at ten o'clock Saturday morning. Appreciate it, Greg, Ronnie. Have a good week and keep it between the fences. You've been listening to Start Your Engines. Tune in each Saturday morning at 10 during the season for the very latest in auto racing news, interviews, and guests from around the sport. To find out more or order Perry Allen Woods books on motorsports, visit McFarlandBooks.com. Start Your Engines has been a presentation of Fox Sports Spartanburg, LLC. All rights reserved.